Welcome, guys, uh, back to Mobile London. Thank you for the continued support. Um, I hope everyone's obviously well. I'm here today with Georgios, the, the VP of Engineering at Tide. Um, for the guys who don't know, obviously, about yourself, uh, give us a brief introduction. Hello, everyone. Um, like um, Tommy said, my name is Georgos. Um, I'm from Greece. Um, I live in the UK now, and I'm the VP of Engineering at Tide, but also the Global Director for the Client Technology. So I'm looking after um, all the clients, iOS, Android, and web. We have quite a few. Um, yeah, um, I've been with Tide for three and a half, three and a half years, um, where I joined them as a lead IS engineer and slowly progressed to a, um, higher up the ranks. If you don't know who Tide is, Tide is a fintech uh, scale-up uh, based in London, and we are a business banking platform. We provide uh, business banking accounts for small and medium enterprises. Yeah, that, that, that's great. And obviously, you, yourself, you, you're at this sort of VP of engineering level at the moment, but uh, you, you've obviously had a software background, um, mainly within iOS. Obviously, you, you went to university, but I know we spoke before, but you did start with iOS, did you? So what, what sort of things did you start with? Um, no. My, so I, when I started as a software engineer, I was an ActionScript developer. I learned ActionScript. It was ActionScript 2 at the time. Um, very... Um, Few months later, ActionScript three came out, so I started focusing on three. Did lots of flex work, lots of air work, Adobe air work, and then that's probably for five years, five six years. And then Steve Jobs decided to kill my profession, and I have to do something else. Uh, so I, I surprisingly I chose uh, iOS and Android at that time. I chose mobile basically, and I started. I started working with uh, iOS and Android, native, always native. I did try every single cross-platform framework in the market at that time, and I was disappointed, so I, I focused on native. And then a few years later, I just focused on iOS because at that time, uh, I mean, as a developer, it was always the best experience. Um, and that's where I focused the last probably nine years on, uh, on okay. iOS. Yeah, yeah, and obviously that, that has been sort of your extensive background. Um, obviously with iOS, uh, I'm assuming you started out with Objective-C, moved on to Swift. With the companies that you, you'd worked in, have you, have you worked for like various different companies, haven't you, from sort of startups to a bit more established? Well, yeah, so I've worked with, um, my first startup actually was in 2009 as a Flex developer. It was a startup, um, but it was an ad agency at the same time. So it was a company within a company. Um, I have worked for big ad agencies, Ogilvy uh, One Worldwide in Athens, very big, and many, many other startups since then. Like, And I have been like a, a contractor, consultant, permanent employee, like um, not, not a lead, being a lead. I have done many, many um, from different positions and in different type of companies as well. I do prefer to be, I have to say that I do prefer product-oriented companies. Um, I like to have the focus on a single product or, or, or on a, a variety of products, but being product oriented, not not the consultancy type of uh, companies anymore. Okay, so you, you prefer, to obviously, like you said, there being, being a bit more product focused. Um, and with yourself, obviously, I, I know um, you've obviously worked in permanent positions and contracting positions as well. What sort of drew you to contracting at the time? Was it just to sort of work on different projects or what sort of drew you around to that? Was it the opportunities? Um, so a couple of times I went back into contracting, probably from necessity because I wanted to 
to do something and I wanted to try something. So, um, but they were both like, it wasn't very successful. The one was in Greece during the crisis. So, you know, starting your own, I was, I had my own business, small business, like it wasn't very successful. So, um, there was no client basically. So how can you be successful? You have yeah. clients. Because the, the contracting market is different in Greece. In UK, it was different. It was just a phase where I was looking for my next uh, permanent role. Um, so I, I never had, I, I really like being a permanent employee, I guess, because that's where you get the commitment and also yeah. the opportunities as well. I'm not going to hide it. Being a contractor is very, you know, it's a different, it's a different, uh, different thing. Um, yeah. I'm not going to say good or bad because it's not good or bad, but for me, for some reason, I had the door open for both things. Like I had, I was welcoming both things. It always came in as a, the permanent was always more attractive. Okay. Time. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. And obviously, you, 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 like you mentioned there, you worked in Greece and the, the UK. So you're obviously working in the UK, went back to Greece and came back. But uh, so what, what sort of drew you to go back to Greece? So you, you started doing iOS there and what made you come back then? What sort of? So, yeah, so, oh, it had nothing, the decision to move had nothing to do with my job. Um, so I lived in the UK for seven years from 2003 to 2010. Um, at that time, um, me and my now wife were a bit fed up with the uh, UK and we wanted to go back to Greece. I think I was probably the last one to set foot in Greece just before the crisis, just before IMF comes in and says that we are bankrupt. And so I wasn't very lucky then, um, but I had a job, so I wasn't really affected by the crisis. Uh, but the progress was affected, like my progress was affected. So after staying for seven years in Greece, I decided to come back to UK because you know I there was unfinished business, let's say, with UK. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I mean, to, look, yeah. London, London is. I didn't come back to UK. I came back to London. I London is my second home uh, now after all these years. So it's you know I will always be um, it will always be part of me, and I will probably keep coming back to it in the future. Yeah, that, that, that's good. And I think you're like, we, we spoke before, you had an idea, didn't you? When you were to come back to London, you had a plan. You had a, you, yeah. you obviously knew what you were looking for at the so, time. Yeah, so in 20, 2016, I had, a, I had a good job actually in um, leading a, a technology in, um, ad organization, in another ad agency, boutique agency. But we wanted to move back to UK. So I had to make it, had to make a plan because I'm, this is how I operate. I operate with plans. I don't yeah. do everything I do is very calculated. Is I don't do like a, a very impartial decisions. So I planned my return to UK and I had a focus and an aim to find um, actually to find exactly the job I actually ended up finding, like in a fintech, in a lead position, iOS, in a promising and well-funded company, which was tight. Um, so either fintech or health tech ended up being in a, in a fintech. So. You know, after staying in another company, uh, I ended up with Tide, so, you know, very quickly. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. And like you say, obviously, you, you, you've been there since. Um, when, when you first joined, you, you were obviously the lead IS developer. Did you, and you, you were obviously leading your previous role, but how did you find the transition to that, to the company in London? Was it much different? Obviously, did you have a bigger team, smaller team? No, um, I had a, probably the same size of team. Um, but I had, a, like I said, I did a, had a previous um, um, a small 
I passed like for three months from a different, from another company, from Channel 4 basically, um, for a company that was contracted for Channel 4. Luckily for me, not for them, they lost the contract with Channel 4. So I left before my probation finishes because I was a, everybody will leave at some point. And I joined Tide. Now Tide, um, the, the team was small, but it was very challenging uh, to begin with because it was very scattered. So there was a couple of people in UK, the rest was uh, contractors in Ukraine, and the project was a mess. So, you know, it was a bit challenging to begin with. And probably that's probably the one thing if I had to take out of all the last three and a half years, um, is the transition of the team, like how it transformed from a non-existent team to a team of 16, 17 people, very strong in-house across three offices. So, and then times three, because I've done the same thing for Android and for web. So that's probably yeah. my tide. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, interesting. And like you said, obviously you guys communicate with multiple uh, different offices in a lot of different countries. And obviously from the lead position there, it eventually progressed on, didn't it? To um, obviously head a mobile. Um, was that much of a transition for yourself or was it just less hands-on? How did you find that? Um, so I, when I joined Tide, I was a bit um, overwhelmed because I had to basically do everything and be really 100% hands-on. And that mm -hmm. lasted for six months. And that's when I said um, to the CTO at that time that this is not helping because I'm actually taking time out of, um, you know, I, I can't manage the team being 100% hands-on. and. No we focused on the project. So I stepped up back a bit. I, I was I still maintained to be in the hands-on, but not on a hundred percent, not not hundred percent. And um, I think you know, if I remember correctly, um, it was January, 2018, um, the Android team had some issues. There was no lead for the Android team. So the, um, the CTO and CPO at that time asked me to look after the Android team because I had some, there was some, I had, I made a really good impact on the iOS team. So he asked me to look after the, the Android team and the web team. And five months later, he offered me the head of mobile and web uh, role. Um, because when we did, to be honest, we did, I did manage to transform a bit the Android team, um, normalize the release cycle, introduce quite a few practices. I managed to bring them together because it was completely different iOS and Android. They wouldn't even talk to each other. So that's how I transitioned. It wasn't sudden. It was probably I acted as the head of mobile for a few months before already. Okay. Um, this is probably that's going to be my advice to anyone. Like keep taking things that you don't know how to do necessarily. Okay. This is how you're going to prove that you can do the job. Don't wait for, for things. So to be happen. proactive. Be proactive about it. If you've been given that opportunity, take that on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that that, that obviously sounded like it definitely uh, worked for yourself. I'm sure that was a much different role from being the obviously senior senior developer that you were before, the fully hands-on developer. And then you, you yeah, did you well, how about that? How how totally was that fully hands-off? Then your head of mobile roles. Um, so as a head of mobile, I wasn't hundred percent hands-off. So that the perk of being a head of mobile and web is that you get to choose what you want to do. In yeah. terms of proposing. So I, I know my team always complains that I don't want to let go some things and I still do stuff like technical stuff for them and um, especially for iOS. Uh, but the, the truth is that you have to let you have to let go. If you want to be a good leader, a good manager, you have to let go 
not technology. You have to let go of the hands-on stuff and trust others. So yeah. that's, that's where the decision is very tricky uh, because some people don't really, don't really want to let go. They just want a promotion, um, but that's not, that's not how it goes. You have to let go. Um, you know, and you have to learn how to delegate as well, the technical stuff. It's not, you can't do everything. Yeah, I, I bet, like you say, that you have to let go and you sort of have to take, that's the only way you're ever going to learn these new opportunities and fully sort of develop into that new role. Look, you don't have an infinite amount of time, right? So if you keep focusing on, on the same things that you focused before, you're not going to, you'll never grow in other, other areas. And being a, being a lead, and especially a tech lead, um, is, is, is quite different. Uh, you know, you have to invest a lot of yourself, not only on, on other mm. products. And it's not technical stuff that you have to invest necessarily, but also technical. Uh, because you're still a tech lead. You still have to follow technology. Um, so if you ask me what I'm doing, like how I'm growing myself, I actually still have to do technical courses because I still need to, to learn, right? I can't, just, yeah. I can't just manage something that I don't understand. I have to understand what I'm managing. Yeah, you got yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing yeah, it's, it's still a learning for anyone. It's constant learning, which is, which is always good. And then obviously after the head head of mobile role, you're now at your your position now. Um, so the VP of engineering. And um, how how is that? Is that so? You very minimal hands on now, or like you said, you still so you get involved with the iOS side of things? Yeah. So okay. So obviously now I'm hands off. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't. I don't have the time to do anything on. Uh, but I, the, the good thing is I have I have a really strong team and I have delegated almost everything technical. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, my, my role has changed. It's not, obviously, it's not the same like last year. Um, I'm dealing with budgets and strategy, um, plans, you know, planning, team planning, hiring, uh, all that boring stuff. Nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing fancy here. Um, <laughs> But like you say, obviously, it, you, you sort of went up their ranks, so that's the only natural order of it all. The longer you do so, you, you progress and you, you start moving up. Um, but yeah, like you said, do, do you still keep uh, obviously up to date with iOS? Do you have personal things that you work on? Do you still sort of toy around with the latest tech? What? Yeah, so now currently I'm, I'm, um, I'm actually trying Swift UI myself. Um, nice. But we also are evaluating Flutter. Um, which is a, you know, if you don't know, it's a cross-platform tool from Google because we are trying it out. Uh, so I'm actually reading about it as well. I mean, I'm not going to yeah. be, a, I'm not going to probably use them, uh, to be honest, besides a side project, which I don't have time to do anyway. But I, it's definitely good to keep, uh, otherwise I'll be like probably very bored. Yeah, what, what's, what are your, obviously, thoughts on Flutter? Obviously, I had a talk from uh, Teresa, who's obviously uh, the Android lead. She did a yeah. talk on Flutter before at Mobile yeah. London. So what, what's sort of your, your idea of Flutter? What have you sort of... So, um, so I'm, I'm going to start with something else. We, it's not my idea about Flutter. It's, my, it's how I approach technology. And, and I have been a very dogmatic and very um, close-minded engineer where I was, you know, focusing on Flash, action scripts, didn't want to do anything else. I was doing many other things at the time, but you know, my, my focus was on, on action scripts and Flash and everything. And you know, that didn't work well, like, obviously, like I said. So I, yeah. I, I realized very early that you have to be a polyglot, you have to keep be open in technology because technology is not, it's not gonna be there forever, it changes, right? Whatever you choose now, probably is gonna be obsolete in a few years. So Flutter is just another thing, a new kid on the block, and we are looking at it. It's not, it's not gonna be the last one. For sure. No. 
and you know we're just testing stuff we uh, we like to test things and see how it goes if you ask me about flat more specifically i'll say that it's probably the first time i've seen um cross flat maths like i said i've tested every single thing yes out there um there's a big disappointment including react native i don't really i mean depends on the company of course right and the okay product. i wouldn't use them myself um, unless i had to do an mvp or something but flutter is actually the one that's probably promising a lot and okay. you know, if i was an android especially android engineer i would pay really really attention to what google is doing now because there might be some different um, some changes in the upcoming years. Yeah. But also, like yeah. you know, even for iOS, like having said that, yeah, even for iOS, but having said that, Apple is doing like a really nice job of keeping keeping the engineers interested. So um, it'd be hard to convince somebody not to do do Swift UI and focus on Flutter. Very hard. I can't yeah. Very hard to convince them. And it's not about convincing. I mean, technology is just it's just a tool, right? You just need to find the right one for your job. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, like you mentioned, obviously everything's changing. So uh, obviously a lot of people have to keep up to date with the latest things. We obviously have all the releases. Yeah. It, it's good, especially in mobile. Like you say, I think we, we recently obviously had WWDC on iOS, um, which happened, I think it was probably last month. But uh, yeah, a lot of tech is constantly uh, updating and. Uh, Keeping keeping going. Obviously, you mentioned as well. Obviously, in your role, you you've obviously had to do with hiring uh, and things like that. Obviously, we've had a lot of one of these talks that I've had. We've had a lot more maybe junior guys or mid guys looking for roles. Any sort of tips that you would give people when going into sort of interviews or anything like that? Any tips that you would give my developers or like to make a portfolio or if they haven't got that commercial experience yet, where they've come out of university or how anything you would say? So yeah, okay. So I'll tell you how how I hire. Right. Um, I don't. We don't hire for skills. I don't hire for skills necessarily. We do look for skills, certain skills, but we hire for for character. And I, I'm, I was recently in an argument on LinkedIn. Argument, good argument, on LinkedIn um, about uh, culture fit. And I do think that culture fit. I mean, doesn't necessarily mean that we're looking for people who are same as us, right? But we do look for people who have the same values. And if you ask me my values, I have written them down because I wanted to mention them, have main three values. One is a value and two others are behaviors. The, the first one is you need to be, you need to have integrity. If I see somebody in an interview that, you know, if I, if I see any red flag with integrity and ethics, that's probably gonna be a, a very big red flag. And the other one, the two behaviors I probably say is constant learning. I need to see on an interview that, you know, you are hungry. If I don't see that somebody's hungry, then it doesn't matter the level, right? And actually that's more obvious on the seniors and advanced seniors. You see them like a bit stale. They don't really interested in evolving. And I have quite a few examples of this. That's another red flag. And the third one is, you know, um, that is a question actually in my interview, like about comfort zone. If you really like your comfort zone, then probably you're not gonna like working with me uh, because I really wanna challenge, I really challenge myself and others like outside of comfort zone. That's where we get really creative, um, but within within reason. Like I don't want to push people doing uncomfortable things. First of all, I don't want to push people doing anything that I wouldn't do myself. Um, so, the tips is be transparent, be open with what you know. Don't pretend that you don't know things that you know things that you don't know because 
chances are that the, somebody will pick them up, especially if you've done like 500 interviews in like a year, you probably do have the ability to pick these things up really easily. And um, punctuality, like, you know, but that goes with degree, like be punctual on what you deliver, like on what you say, be consistent, don't, yeah. don't you know, don't flake on your questions. Yeah. Your yeah, yeah, beat around the bush with it. Don't go straight. Obviously, a straight answer is always best rather than sort of if you don't know something, obviously, going with that. Humility, I would probably say that's a very obvious. Like, humility, like, nobody likes somebody being arrogant in an interview. I had a case a few months back and I actually needed him, needed somebody like him in the team. I didn't hire him because he has zero humility. Like, he was very arrogant in an interview. He was actually very disrespectful to my other team members who were participating in the interview. So, you know, there was no chance for him, for me hiring him, um, you know. And I think that's... Yeah, that's you can't, you can't have someone... Yeah, no, no, no. you can't have someone like that stirring it up. Yeah. No, that, that's fine. You should also hint these things, right? You should be open as well. From my side, I mean, I, I wouldn't go to an interview if um, if I see any signs of... you Because the interview is a, is a, is a two, um, two-way street, right? You, you, yeah. They both go to they both interview both sides interviewing the other one another, so I wouldn't join a company who was not, you know, uh, if I see any red flags. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. I I, I agree with that. But yeah, no, I, I thought it'd be good to ask you that. Where obviously you're, you're sort of the other end of the, the the career side, where I spoke to a lot of juniors, and I, I'm sure a lot of guys who listen to this probably were sort of thinking if you had any tips and things like that, because um, obviously, like 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 you've obviously explained, you you've progressed your career through a varies of different roles um I, I think you obviously said before so you weren't always pushing for that role but you're always trying to learn and take on new things and sort of took things as they came you weren't yeah. like chasing so i didn't chase the role but i always had um i always had a, a natural um i was leaning always towards the leadership part um it's something that interests me like uh, from very early um, so maybe that's that's why that's why I ended up there um, because I had I was inclined but I was attracted by it not necessarily by leading people um, sorry by managing people but actually by leading people I like you know being the at the front I like staying at the front um, but not necessarily be the one taking decisions and if you ask my team I'm hopefully that they will say yes that I'm not the one taking decisions most of the decisions are taken by the team for the team. Yeah, I just maintain like a twenty percent veto sometimes, like you know, when I because I'm accountable. But usually, it's the team who takes decisions. It's not. It's not. We do encourage a, um, a flat hierarchy in that sense. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, look, um, Georges, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out today uh, to sort of, sort of speak to me, explain obviously your ups and downs in your career, how, how you've obviously progressed your things. Um, I think this is obviously very interesting for the guys to hear. Um, all different perspectives and especially your side um, so thank you very much for your time today and uh, yeah obviously I'll speak to you soon thank you very much cool thank you very much bye bye, bye.